But seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6.33 Father, today I choose to seek you first. Seek your kingdom and your righteousness. I know that in your kingdom there is no sickness, no poverty, no jealousy or strife. There is no lack or need because you so generously and abundantly provide. As I pursue you, Lord, as I embrace a kingdom mindset and focus on applying kingdom principles to my life, I realize I don't ever have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about what I will wear or what I will eat or where I will sleep. Your word says, You delight in protecting me providing for me, and meeting all of my needs, because you love me. So today I will spend time in your presence. I will seek your face. I will listen for your voice. And then I will step out in faith. I will walk with confidence and authority. I will boldly pursue every opportunity you give me, every open door you open to me. I will accomplish each one of the tasks you have assigned to me. I will live up to my high and holy calling. I will bring glory and honor to you. As I do, I know you will continue to provide everything I need to fulfill my destiny. I thank you. And I praise you today. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me today. Stay tuned to immerse yourself in the greatest stories ever told from Pray.com's podcast, Heroes in the Bible. Hello, my name is Matthew Potter, co-founder of Pray.com. And before we start today's episode of Heroes in the Bible, I wanted to ask, do you know what your bank does with your money? At America's Christian Credit Union, your everyday banking helps grow churches, expand the reach of missions agencies, and supports fellow believers across the country. Learn more about specials for switching to ACCU and their nationwide banking capabilities at americaschristiancu.com forward slash pray. Plus, the peace of mind knowing that this credit union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hi, I'm Dr. Tony Evans, your host for Heroes in the Bible. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, please share it with your family and friends and help us spread God's word. Welcome to the Epic Adventure of David, a story of honor, battle, jealousy, darkness, friendship, love, scandal, and murder. While most people know of David the myth, few people know about David the man. I'm glad you're here with me as we mine the depths of this renowned tale. In this episode, we encounter the famous story of David and Goliath. This story has been told in thousands of different ways using thousands of different mediums. It is a tale embedded in our culture. The underdog defying all odds and the little guy standing up against the bully. But make no mistake, the epic of David and Goliath is not about you and me. We are not David and our problems are not Goliath. No, this legend points forward to an even greater battle of good and evil. The story of David, 
bravely vanquishing the harbinger of death, Goliath, is meant to be an image of something even more significant. In this episode, allow yourself to be caught up in the majesty of David's story. Be inspired by his bravery and be encouraged by his heart for God. But remember that David is not the ultimate hero of this tale. He is a shadow of greater things to come and a conduit for the deliverance of God. May we all be inspired by this story to look to God the same way David looks to God and trust in his final victory over death. Our episode begins with a prelude, a story in the future of God's greatest hero. This prelude reminds us that there is a greater giant than Goliath and a greater hero than David. Let's not wait any longer. It's time for episode six, David and Goliath. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybrezza.com. Prelude to Chapter 6 The thundering skies bellowed like war drums. Death itself was raging like a wild animal. Its claws were sinking deeper into the neck of God's chosen hero. Jesus knew his hour had come. It was time for the full weight of God's wrath to be poured out onto him. Every sin, past, present, and future, required punishment. So Jesus looked up to heaven, and the mighty judgment of Yahweh struck down like a bolt of lightning. In that very moment, the entire sins of humanity were released onto Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin, all so mankind could be reconciled to God once again. He wore the dirtiness of humanity, so they might wear his righteousness. Jesus screamed to the heavens and cried out, Eli, Eli, leva sabachthani. Which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? People laughed at his cries, but they did not see the cosmic shift taking place before them. Jesus who had been connected with the Father and Spirit since before time was created, was now separated from them. Jesus endured separation from God so that no person would ever have to again. It had been done. The weight of mankind's sins were thrust on his shoulders. 
Now the only thing left to do was bury them in the grave. To do that, Jesus had to die. He looked down at the people below. His eyes were darkened and nearly lifeless. I am thirsty, Jesus whispered. The soldier shrugged and took a sponge from the latrines. They would use sour wine to sanitize themselves. So they took the sponge filled with excrement and placed it on his lips. Jesus tasted the filth of humanity, then looked to the heavens. He lifted his legs and arms to take one final breath. The lightning struck beside him, causing the soldiers to fall back. Then with the booming voice of the Almighty, Jesus yelled, It is finished! And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Just as he had spoken, the Good Shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. God's chosen hero had vanquished the enemy. The fear and death had been conquered by the loving yet powerful passion of the Good Shepherd. Chapter 6 David and Goliath Battle. Saul craved it. The sound of iron and bronze clashing and clanging. The smell of campfire intermixed with blood and sweat. More than anything, Saul craved the glory. He craved the sounds of his people cheering and singing his praises. He longed for the moment shortly after victory, lifting his arms and basking in the admiration of his men. Saul imagined these things as he led his men up the hills of Succa. The Israelite army gathered and encamped on a mountain overlooking the valley of Elah. On the other side of the valley, encamped on a mountain standing opposite them, were the Philistines. Their clamoring echoed across the canyons. Saul stood tall and proud on the other side of the valley in front of his men. His bright and polished armor gleamed in the sun. His large sword was strapped securely to his side. The hilt of his sword, much like his armor, was interlaced with gold and fine jewels, a statement of Saul's importance and sense of worth. Saul looked down at the battlefield. The grassy and flat valley was surrounded by large stones and cracks in the ground. The mountains surrounding the valley had uneven footing. It would be a treacherous descent for both armies. He looked up to see the horde of Philistines swaying back and forth on the other side. The slow beat of drums began to play, echoing across the valley. The drums were haunting. Their swaying and chants quickened with the beats of drums. They hissed and sneered at the Israelites. Their sways became frantic and animalistic. Jonathan was beside his father, growing nervous at the strange confidence of the enemy. Then, like the Red Seas once did many years ago, the Philistine horde parted in two. They crouched and bowed to their knees, laughing uncontrollably. The drum ceased, but the ground was still shaking. Saul could feel the quaking of the earth on his feet. Something wasn't right. The men of Israel looked, and from the crowd of Philistines emerged an inhuman-like creature. He had the frame of a man, but his size was like the beasts of old. He cast a shadow over the Philistine soldiers below as he marched forward. His legs were as wide as tree trunks. He wore a coat of mail draped over his monstrous chest. Saul stepped back in terror. His arms were dense with muscle, holding a spear of pure iron. The monster's name was Goliath. His name was being chanted across the valley, reverberating into the ear of Saul. There will be no glory in fighting that man, Saul thought to himself. His hands would 
crush my skull in an instant. Goliath paced up and down the ranks of his men, roaring like a lion. The Philistines cheered and banged their swords against their shields. Goliath unsheathed his sword and swung it against a tree hanging beside the cliff. The tree splintered into a thousand pieces and tumbled down into the valley. Goliath laughed and stretched his arms out to the Israelites. <laughs> Come now! The giant jeered. Why shed any more blood than we have to? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not all servants of Saul? Let us settle this battle. King Saul gulped. He feared what his next words would be. Even from a hundred yards away, Goliath could smell Saul's fear. It wafted over to him like the smoke from freshly cooked meat. He soaked it in, enjoying every moment. The giant smiled with all his teeth. He lifted his spear and pointed it to Saul. Choose a man, king of Israel. Let him come down and battle me. If he is able to kill me, the Philistines will be your servants. The giant let down his spear and looked back at the soldiers. The Philistines laughed. Their mocking cackles filled the air like a bad smell. Then there was silence. Goliath looked over at Saul with nostrils flaring. With a low and rumbling voice, the giant spoke seriously, saying, But if I prevail against your man, when I tear every limb from his body, feasting on his flesh, then you, King Saul, and all your people will be enslaved to us for generations to come. The giant's challenge sent shivers down Saul's spine. The king composed himself. Judging by the size of both armies, he knew that they were outmatched. If they sent any more soldiers down into the valley, they would surely succumb to the Philistines. However, there was no man in his ranks able to take on the giant. The offer from Goliath was a mockery. The Philistines knew that they would win either way. Sending Goliath was nothing more than a taunt. Saul had always stood ahead above every man he fought. He rarely feared the swing of another man's sword. However, the creature standing before him was no man. He was a beast from ancient days. He had the frame of monsters told in children's tales. He was a harbinger of death and a symbol of Saul's inevitable demise as king. Before Saul could open up his mouth, Goliath's voice thundered again across the valley. I defy you, Saul. I spit in the face of your people, your nation, and your God. If you do not have a man brave enough to fight, prove that you are not a coward and fight me yourself. Saul was motionless. His men looked at him waiting for a response. Clouds covered the sun above, removing the gleam from Saul's armor. Never before had Saul felt so helpless. This would be a good moment to pray. However, he knew nobody would listen. God had turned his face from him. For 40 days, Goliath walked down into the valley, goading Saul to fight him. For 40 days, Saul and the people of Israel were silent. Did you pack the bread? Jesse asked David. Yes, Father. David said while strapping the rest of the supplies to his donkey. What about the extra wineskins and the bandages? Jesse continued in a sharp tone. I've packed both, Father. Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. 
will have everything they need. David replied respectfully. Jesse grunted and walked off. Since David became Saul's armor bearer and musician, he had been making his way to and from the palace. He still had sheep to tend to, even though he was now a servant of the king. David packed his donkey filled with supplies to bring to his brothers. They had marched with Saul to Succah to battle the Philistines. His father beamed with fatherly pride that his three eldest sons had joined the ranks of the king's army. A part of David longed for his father to look at him with the same approval and admiration. However, since being in the courts of Saul, he felt his need for fatherly attention less and less. Saul was kind to David and seemed to enjoy his presence. Not only that, but David had grown close to his son Jonathan during his time in the palace. Jonathan gave him the brotherly affection he lacked from his own brothers. David led his donkey towards Succah, anxious to see how Israel was faring against the Philistines. He had heard Saul speaking with his generals about being outnumbered. Although he was Saul's armor-bearer, it was more a title than an actual job. The king would never allow a child like him to march with him into battle. He had not yet seen the glory of war. He did not have the privilege of marching with Saul or carrying his own sword to defend Israel. He was forced to remain with his sheep and carry supplies to his brothers. David reached Sukkah, anxious to see what had come of the battle. He had a boyish excitement for war, heroism, and bravery. In him was a warrior spirit that desperately desired to join in arms with his countrymen. Instead, David was unloading a sack filled with cheese and bread for his brothers and their commander. The low status David held in his family disappointed him at times, but David was resolved in his own identity before God. He did not strive to be someone he wasn't. Rather, with every step, he sought to honor the Lord in the best way he could. If that meant delivering supplies to his haughty older brothers, then so be it. David cared not how he was used by God to serve. He only cared that what he did pleased the heart of his Lord. As David entered camp, he could hear the shouts of war rumbling near the valley. Giddy with excitement, David tied up the donkey and ran towards the hill overlooking the battlefield. He was surprised to see no battle at all. Rather, the armies of the Israelites and Philistines posturing at one another from either side of the valley. Each army clamored at the other, banging their swords on their shields and hurling insults. It was a confusing sight to David. The shepherd boy waded through the crowds in search of his brothers. The little lamb is here, a voice chided from the distance. David paused and looked down at his feet. He closed his eyes and sighed in irritation. Out of all the shouting and clamoring of soldiers, Shama's mocking voice was loud and clear. David turned around to see Shama and Abinadab walking over. They wore their thick armor with bronze buckles to hold the straps. However, they hung loosely on their chests. The shaft of their spears were made of wood with iron tips at the end, and David noticed how peculiarly dull the tips of their spears were. It was almost as if they had not sharpened them in days. Aren't they about to march into battle? David thought to himself. Why not sharpen your spears and tighten your armor? Shama took David's head under his arm and ruffled his light curly hair. The runt of the litter is here to watch, he teased. Shama and Abinadab laughed at David's expense. Their teasing was a regular part of David's childhood. He expected nothing less from them. Clearly, they hadn't been to battle even once since marching up to Sukkah with Saul. David was curious as to why that was. 
he released himself from his brother's grip and walked towards the front of the crowd. His brothers were irked by his indifference towards their presence. Where are you off to? Don't bother the other soldiers, runt. They yelled. David ignored them as he made his way to the front. He found a high vantage point on a stone overlooking the battlefield. David peered forward, looking upon the Philistine horde chanting opposite them. They banged their drums and swayed back and forth. Their laughs were like the hissing of a brood of vipers. The evil in their eyes sent chills down David's spine. What are they chanting for? David thought. He scanned the entire Philistine side. As the Philistines had every day since meeting the Israelites, the army parted in two to make way for their champion. The beast-like man covered in bronze mail marched forward, making the ground quake beneath him. The sword strapped to the side of his belt was as long as David's torso. Every step seemed to hold the weight of a mountain as he marched forward to the edge of the canyon. The giant raised his spear high above his head, then slammed the end of it into the ground in front of him. Rocks cracked on the edge and fell into the valley below. The giant laughed and leaned <laughs> forward towards the Israelite army. He cried. David's heart verberated in his chest at the giant's roar. Who among you dogs will come and fight me? Goliath yelled. I've waited and you cowards have yet to send a challenger. He pointed his spear at Saul, just as he did every day. Is your god as weak as your spine, King Saul? Aren't you the brave Israelites that conquered Pharaoh? I spit at your ancestors and your god. Worthless cowards. David's muscles tightened and his brow furrowed. He felt the same fire in his bones from the night he saw the lion take his lamb. David looked to his left. King Saul was standing in front of the soldiers. He was a sight to behold. His broad chest puffed out towards the Philistines as he stood atop his horse. The light beamed off his golden armor. The hilt of his sword was engraved with Hebrew battle poetry. However, the king was motionless, speechless. He had nothing to say to the Philistine. For weeks, Saul had tried to strategize a way to gain an edge over the enemy. However, they outnumbered them greatly, and the best way to defeat them was to accept Goliath's offer. However, no one moved. The king who was once lauded for his bravery was paralyzed by fear and inaction. The men began to disperse back to their tents. Once again, their posturing was fruitless. No amount of battle cries were going to make the Philistines flinch. They knew it was only a matter of time before Israel lost all hope. That is when they would strike. There is no weapon greater than fear, and the Philistines wielded it like no one else. David slid down the stone and stopped a few of the men marching back. Can somebody please tell me what is going on? He asked. You haven't heard? One of the soldiers asked. This giant has come to defy Israel. The king has promised riches and his daughter's hand in marriage to whoever defeats him. And no one has come up against him? David asked. Not one. You've seen the size of his hands. They could grip a man's skull like a loaf of bread. I will not pursue him, and I can attest that no one here will either. Not even the king. David's fist tightened and his jaw clenched. He has mocked our God, he said under his breath. The soldiers nodded. He has. However, 
none of us wish to make a greater mockery of him by jeopardizing our army. Under the rules of the challenge, if he prevails, the entire nation will be made Philistine slaves. Who among us wants to be responsible for dying at the hands of Goliath and allowing him to enslave all our people? The man made a valid point. David pondered the question. Bravery was not enough to march against Goliath. If someone went to fight him and they died, the Philistines by right would be able to enslave the survivors. Whoever marched up against the giant didn't just need a warrior's heart. He needed to be sure he would win. David was lost in thought for a moment. Then a firm grip grabbed him by the shoulder and turned him around. It was Eliab, his oldest brother. He grabbed David and shook him. What are you doing here? He scolded. Have you left the sheep to wander around and die in the wilderness? Go home! Eliab shoved David to the ground. David got back up immediately and lunged at his brother, shoving him back. Eliab caught him by the arm and threw him to the ground again. David got back up. But Eliab raised a finger and yelled, I know why you're here, baby brother. You have come here to see the battle. You just couldn't help yourself, could you? We're all here, ready to die, and you seek to watch the battle like a sport. Go home. There is no place for you here. David paused and looked at his older brother. He had all the looks of a hero, but on the inside, he was no greater than the giant on the other side of the valley. He used his size and power to intimidate and taunt. David looked back towards the Philistine army and clenched his fist. His brother continued to chide him, but he did not listen. With his back turned to Eliab, he sighed and said, You and I both know I have done nothing. David turned his head. His eyes burned with holy fire. Eliab stepped back, unable to discern what David would do next. The shepherd left his brother and marched toward Saul's tent. Saul paced back and forth in his tent. The king's tent was wide and tall enough to host his generals and the battalion commanders. Jonathan was also in attendance standing beside his father. They could all sense a weariness from the king. His eyes were heavy and deep in anxious thought. He leaned over the side of his throne and sighed. <sighs> this giant has made a mockery of us, and yet there is nothing we can do about it. Saul whispered. I have made the reward for his head great, yet no one has mustered up the courage to go out and fight him. We have run out of time, my king, one of his commanders said. If we wait any longer to accept his challenge, they will just march against us in the night. We cannot- I know what they are capable of, Saul snapped, throwing his cup against the beams of the tent. I have marched against these demons for years, and yet they- multiply like rodents in the city streets. What am I to do? Am I to send out men into battle with that giant casting a shadow over them? They will run in with weak knees and retreat at the first sign of trouble. Saul sat down and rubbed his head. He breathed in deeply and composed himself. Saul lifted his hand apologetically. We are at an impasse. Our men are without hope. They are without something to inspire them to battle. The king trailed off into thought. He stared at the fire burning in the center of the tent. He recalled the faint memory of simpler times when he sat by the fire with Samuel, 
and spoke about his new kingdom. He poked the dying embers. We need some sort of spark, Saul whispered to himself. All of the men in the tent were silent as they watched Saul brood over the fire. Then, abruptly breaking the silence, David burst through the tent. Saul looked up and smiled. Ah, David, I am glad you are here. We could all use some music to calm our souls at the moment. David ignored Saul's request and instead bowed to the floor. He beat his fist against his chest and said, My king, let no man's heart lose hope because of the giant on the other side of the valley. I will go and fight the Philistine. Saul and the others in his tent held back chuckles. The king leaned down and helped David up on his feet. Brushing the dust off his clothes, Saul shook his head and said, <laughs> Surely you are filled with fire, young David. But what sort of king would I be to let a boy go up against a giant? You are young, and that giant has been killing warriors since he was your age. David stepped back and bowed his head. My king, are you familiar with the role of a shepherd? He asked calmly. Saul scratched his head. Of course. My father had a few flocks of his own. You tend to the sheep, leading them to the best grass and water. David shook his head. That may be so, but the role of the shepherd is first and foremost to protect the sheep at all costs. When there came a lion or a bear to take one of my lambs, I did not hesitate to attack it. I have run for miles and climbed mountains to pursue the beasts that take my sheep. When a lion once took my lamb, I pursued it and rescued the lamb straight from its jaws. I struck it down because a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The rest of the men in the room were stirring uncomfortably. The passion in David's voice was abrasive. They did not like a young nobody like David having such a tone in front of the king. He pointed back towards the valley. He gave a slight grin. His eyes were gleaming with intensity and hope. This Philistine is no greater than that lion. He comes in and threatens God's flock. He roars and bears his teeth against us. He has defied the armies of God and made a mockery of him. I will strike down this giant with the same power by which I struck down the lion, by the might of God himself. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the predator will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul's heart beat swiftly listening to David speak. In his voice was the very passion of God. It had been a long time since Saul came in contact with the Spirit of God. He had longed for his presence and his anointing once again. Coming through the voice of this small shepherd boy, the very courageous spirit of God was bursting forth like a mighty tempest. Saul stood up and smiled. Very well. Go, and the Lord be with you. The officers in the room gasped at Saul's words. He had just commissioned a boy no older than 16 to march against the greatest warrior the world had ever seen. Saul held David by the shoulders and smiled. I can feel your fire, David, but you will need help if you're going to stand against a giant. You will need the finest armor and weaponry Israel has to offer. 
Saul took his armor that was resting on the side of his throne and draped it over David's body. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and draped a coat of mail over him. He strapped his sword over his shoulder and tightened his belt to keep the armor together. The firelight bounced off of the golden armor. David waddled in place. The armor was so heavy that he was barely able to move. For all its splendor, the armor was more of a hindrance than a defense. Saul's sword was beautifully crafted and elegant, but it was heavy with jewels and gold. It had the appearance of glory, but ultimately, it fell short of being truly effective. David took the helmet off and slipped out of the armor. Placing the sword in Saul's hand, David bowed his head and said, My king, your armor is splendid. However, I have not tested it, nor do I see it helping me. For all its beauty, I fear it is more of a hindrance than a defense. Do not be foolish, boy. You need a real weapon. You need real armor. Saul scolded. David gripped his staff and secured his sling tightly to his belt. These will be my weapons, he said. God has done far more with far less. The shepherd boy smiled and left the tent without another word. Saul was speechless. He ran his fingers through the bright golden armor. For all the king's glamour and appearance of strength, it seems that he had just been taught a lesson from a child. David quietly descended down the side of the canyon towards the trees. The forest was silent and serene, hosting the songs of birds and a babbling brook. David sat near the brook and breathed in deeply. He closed his eyes, feeling the slight breeze caress his cheek. The sun above was scattered from the leaves above. David dipped his hands in the water and took a sip. He ran the cold water over his neck and looked up. You are my shepherd, he said to God. Even though I walk into the valley of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. The wind rustled the leaves above. The humming sound of swaying trees was a comforting response. David reached down into the brook and retrieved five smooth stones the size of his palm. He meticulously chose each of them and placed them in his leather pouch. He stood to his feet and stretched his arms with his shepherd's staff. Then, with the silent courage of a warrior, David marched towards the valley to meet Goliath. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. 
Save 30% on super comfortable, machine washable, and great looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K N I X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K N I X.com. The Philistine descended into the valley as he had done every day. He roared challenges to the Israelites above. He clanged his spear against his shield, making it echo across the valley. Who shall fight me? He yelled. Who shall come and slay me? He taunted. The giant had grown angry that so much time had passed since he first made the challenge. He was vexed by their cowardice. He was angry. He was thirsty for blood. Saul stood over the cliffs with the other men, watching the giant march into the center of the valley. He stretched out his arms and raised his voice to Saul. This is the final chance to send a champion, Saul! Let the dogs of Israel send a man to fight me, or we will lay waste to your camps and your cities! The men of Israel stirred and murmured. They all looked to their king to see if he would step forward. However, Saul remained still and silent looking at the battleground below. The giant smiled and banged his spear against his shield again. Cowards! All of you are cowards! You have shamed your ancestors this day to survive the slavery of Egypt, all to crumble by our hand. Pathetic worms! As Goliath was taunting the Israelites, he heard them all gasp and turn to the left of the canyons. Out from the stones to Goliath's right, the shepherd boy emerged. His light curls were held back with a bandana revealing his eyes. They were lit with the fiery passion of God himself. He marched towards the giant with intention. Every step was purposeful and filled with confidence as he stepped out of the shadows into the light of day. He stopped 20 yards in front of Goliath and planted his shepherd's staff firmly into the ground. The giant had a challenger and Israel had its champion. Goliath's beastly grin turned into a visceral snarl. He spat at David and roared at him. Am I a dog that you come to me with twigs? Of all the mighty men of Israel, they send you to fight me? I am insulted. I can break this boy between my fingers. The wind whistled through the valley. David was immovable and resolute. His gaze was locked onto the giant. He opened not his mouth. He simply looked forward at the foe ahead, calculating his next move. Goliath was irked by David's silence. He wailed curses into the air, banging his fist against his chest like a silverback. You and your god will crumble beneath my feet. Come to me, boy. I will give your flesh to the birds and beasts to feast on. There will be no memory of you. I will make it so there is no glory in your death. David paid close attention to the wind shifting through the valley. It shot out from the side of the canyon and whistled from his left to his right. He had to be sure about the wind. David threw his staff at the giant's feet and stretched out his arms. You come to me adorned with glimmering armor. Your sword is large and your spear is heavy. 
David's gaze was fearsome. He beckoned the giant and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, the liberator of slaves and creator of the stars. It is he who is your challenger, giant, not I. So come, come at me with all the strength in your bones. For I declare this day that no man, no matter how large, is any match for the creator of the sun and stars. This day it will be your head that rolls off your shoulders to be eaten by the beasts and the birds. All the world will know that there is a God in Israel. All will know that he needs no sword or spear. The battle is his. The outcome is final. So come, come to me, giant. Do your worst, and I shall do mine. Goliath's anger was kindled and burst forth like lightning. He raged and lunged towards the shepherd with all his might. The earth quaked beneath him. David could feel the ground shift and shake with every leap. The giant was surprisingly quick, like a lion. Goliath closed the gap between him and his prey. However, David was prepared. As the giant began his pursuit, David took a single step back and retrieved his sling and a single stone from his pouch. He placed the stone in the sling and began to swing it behind him. He bent his knees and drew a deep breath. For a single moment, time itself stood still. The wind ceased its blowing, and all David could hear was his own breathing. He watched the giant run at the same pace of his own heartbeat. He had one shot at the giant, only one. He pivoted his foot back, bent his front knee, and prepared for the first strike. If the giant attacked first, it was over. He must be the first one to act. The boy burst forward with the sling still swinging behind him. Goliath took the bait and pounced forward with his sword high in the air. The shepherd released the sling, sending the stone whistling through the air. The stone landed directly into the beast's head, cracking it instantly. The giant's momentum was halted as it crumbled to the ground. The entire earth shook beneath him. The boy took action immediately. Pouncing on the giant fearlessly, he took the giant's sword in his hands and raised it high in the air. The giant lay there with his back on the ground looking up at the shepherd boy. The final thing his eyes beheld on earth was the swing of God's mighty hero. The young shepherd roared as he swung the sword down, beheading the giant. David's roars echoed through the valley. His cries of victory were not like any other warriors. It was a passionate and victorious song given unto the Lord. Its sound was powerful and straight from the heart of God. The men of Israel were in shock as they watched the boy lift Goliath's head into the air. God's chosen hero had vanquished the enemy. The very embodiment of fear and death had been conquered by the loving yet powerful passion of a shepherd. The Israelite army cried out in victory and descended down the canyon towards the Philistines. Emboldened by David, they ran towards the enemy. The Philistines ran as the children of Israel stormed their camp. David picked up another sword and began to fight alongside them. Saul also entered the battlefield with renewed fire in his bones. 
He rode into the enemy lines atop his horse. The king swung his sword with fury and confidence. The entire army of Israel did not consider for a moment that they were outnumbered. They had just beheld a small shepherd boy demonstrating the power of God against a fierce warrior. Nothing was impossible for them, because nothing was impossible for God. Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah ran and battled with passion as well. They struck together, gaining an advantage over several Philistine soldiers. When they began to feel outmatched, David joined them. The brothers watched as the runt of the litter wielded a blade with grace and power. He was like a musician, using rhythm and cadence with each swing and parry. He was a sight to behold, and he restored hope to every soldier. Saul watched David from a distance. It was unlike anything he had ever seen. Who is that warrior? The king thought to himself. It cannot be the boy who played the harp in my halls. It was. The forgotten son of Jesse the Bethlehemite was the hero of Israel. God's chosen shepherd had protected the flock and saved them from the jaws of the lion. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. God's chosen hero has vanquished the enemy. The fear and death has been conquered by the loving yet powerful passion of the Good Shepherd. This was the final line in the prelude to this episode. It can be used to describe David's victory against Goliath. But we know by now there was something even greater that was accomplished on the cross by Jesus. We are supposed to look at the fight of David and Goliath as a picture of Christ's triumph over sin and death. Jesus is David, born in Bethlehem and ridiculed by his own brothers. Goliath is sin, paralyzing even the strongest men. 
Looking at it this way puts the whole story in a different perspective. This doesn't mean we can't relate to David. As we follow his life even more, we will find that we have much in common with him. But this story in particular stands above the rest. It is meant to give us a glimpse into the heart of heaven itself. The entire Bible leading up to this point has been pointing to the cross, but it hadn't yet had a powerful image like David versus Goliath. The young shepherd's bravery, trust, and passion expresses the heart Jesus had when he marched up the mountain for you and I. This episode began with Saul's craving for conquest. The way he thinks about his own glory is similar to how an addict thinks about their next fix. With the absence of God and Samuel guiding his conscience, he has descended even further down the dark pit of pride. However, his delusion of grandeur are brought to a halt when he sees Goliath. Saul, who is used to being the largest person in battle, comes face to face with a monstrosity of a man. His hawking frame and beast-like features make Saul a scared child. There are some enemies even the strongest among us can't defeat. Goliath delivers a challenge to the people of Israel. They must send one man to fight him, and if that man prevails, then the Philistines have lost. The structure of this challenge is very important. Whoever faces Goliath will represent all of Israel. If he wins, he will be solely responsible for their deliverance. Every man under the command of Saul must think about how they measure up to this giant and make a conscious decision to fight or flee. No man, even the king himself, feels strong enough to face such a menacing foe. The truth is, we're all helpless to defeat sin on our own. The enemy can only be defeated by a hero, but we know deep down that we aren't that hero. Even the strongest among us are helpless in the face of sin and death. So who is strong enough? Who is the deliverer brave and strong enough to fight Goliath? David enters the camp of Israel, perplexed by their inaction. It seems plain to David what should be done, and he almost seems surprised that nobody has risen up yet. David, from the outside, can appear naive in his confidence. Men far more seasoned in battle wouldn't dare face Goliath, but David seems to have no fear. Is David naive? Is he delusional and perhaps too confident in his own skills? No. Actually, it's the exact opposite. David doesn't consider his skills too much at all. He knows that God is at the front of this battle and all he needs to do is step out and obey. The Lord has proven time and time again that he doesn't need skilled warriors. He needs willing hearts. David is willing. After enduring the mockery of his brothers, David steps forward into Saul's tent and volunteers himself to face the giant. He is met with chuckles and grins, which makes sense since he is just a shepherd boy. David, up to this point, has only been known as Saul's personal musician. Of course, he would not be taken seriously. However, David's words compel Saul and his men. David tells Saul about his encounter with the lion, then says, he defied the armies of God and made a mockery of him. I will strike down this giant with the same power by which I struck down the lion, by the might of God himself. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the predator will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul is moved and feels that David may be the spark Israel needs. Saul gives David his blessing, then proceeds to give David his golden-scaled armor sword, and shield. Naturally, it doesn't fit David. 
He politely rejects Saul's gesture and takes the armor off. What Saul perceives as necessary, David perceives as a hindrance. Saul saw it necessary to cover himself head to toe in protection and splendor, but David saw it as a danger. This is a grand metaphor. Saul's armor is a representation of his own pride and self-reliance. Saul used it to protect himself, but also to parade himself. The armor was a symbol of the outward appearance of strength Saul held so dear. David, having inner strength and trust in God, did not need Saul's false protection. He refused the armor and thus refused to take on Saul's persona. The world is going to try its best to cover you with armor you don't need, but there is no substitute for the peace that comes from God. David goes down to the brook near the battlefield and prays to God. You are my shepherd, he said to God. Even though I walk into the valley of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. This was taken from Psalm 23, a famous song and prayer to God. It is not a stretch to think that David prayed something similar before facing Goliath. He knew he had nothing to fear, for God was with him. Our new and budding hero bravely entered the valley, standing opposite the giant, ready for the battle. Goliath was insulted by David's presence and cursed him. David was small and young, clearly no match for a warrior like Goliath. Here lies a common theme found in Scripture. The small and powerless rise up to take on the large and powerful. Think about Joseph rising up in the hostile country of Egypt. Think about Moses and the Israelites standing up to Pharaoh. Think about the liberated slaves of Israel taking on the giant armies of the Canaanites. The entirety of Scripture up until this point has told us the story of David and Goliath before we even met them. David, as small as he may be, has a giant of a God beside him. The odds are not in Goliath's favor, and David knows it. This is why he is able to speak boldly to the giant, yelling, You come to me adorned with glimmering armor. Your sword is large and your spear is heavy. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, the liberator of slaves and the creator of the stars. It is he who is your challenger, giant, not I. So come, come at me with all the strength in your bones. For I declare this day that no man, no matter how large, is any match for the creator of the sun and the stars. This day, it will be your head that rolls off your shoulders to be eaten by the beast and the birds. All the world will know that there is a God in Israel. All will know that he needs no sword or spear. The battle is his. The outcome is final. So come, come to me, giant. Do your worst and I shall do mine. These words send chills down my spine. David spoke with such passion and confidence. I can only hope to have this kind of faith. This episode reaches its climax when Goliath leaps toward David, all to be met with the stone lodged in his skull. David beheads his enemy and lifts it up for all to see. What happens next is a brilliant image. The entire army of Israel is filled with passion after David's victory. They storm the valley and take on the Philistines, that carriage was given to them by David. He is the one who slew Goliath, but they are all beneficiaries of that triumph and are emboldened by it. This is what Christ's victory does to us. The victory Jesus has over death gives us courage, 
strength, and passion. We are beneficiaries of Christ's triumph. The people of Israel now know who David is. It is impossible for him to remain anonymous. In our next episode, we will see how fame affects David. Will he succumb to the same temptation Saul did? How will Saul deal with David's growing popularity? And what about Saul's promise to give his daughter's hand in marriage? To find out, tune in to our next episode, A Dowry of Blood. Thanks again for listening. For more inspiring stories, daily prayers, and wisdom to last a lifetime, go to Pray.com. Share this podcast with a family member or friend and help us spread God's word. God bless. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Since every minute counts when you're a new parent, who wants to waste time washing bottles? Transform this daily chore with the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro, the first machine that automatically washes, sterilizes, and dries bottles, pump parts, and sippy cups at the push of a button. Its 20 spray jets clean everything 100%. Plus, it sterilizes with steam, then dries with germ-free air. Don't waste time on tedious hand washing. Let the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro do it for you. Shop now at babybretza.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.